Chasing Leviathan is a podcast about pursuing truth, one big question at a time through the discipline of listening. Truth is too big to tame. But if we pay close attention, we might get the chance to glimpse something truly magnificent. So please join me in this pursuit, one week at a time. Hello and welcome to Chasing Leviathan. I'm your host, PJ Weary, and I'm here today with Dr. Yvonne Shiro. And we're talking about black magic. And uh, just really excited to have you here, Dr. Shiro. Thank you. Thank you. This is so great. tell me why this book? Why black magic, religion, and the African American conjuring tradition? Okay. Well, I'm really happy to be here. As I said, I'm always happy to talk about my work, if not myself. Um, so I went to uh, graduate school in the 19, geez, man, it must have been the <laughs> 90s, right? Late 80s, 80s, it, um, at one of the premier institutions to study religion, which I didn't know at the time because I, uh, things just happened. Uh, and I ended up working with the premier person, uh, probably the father of African-American religious history, the late Albert Rabateau. And, you know, I was a kid, it was a long time ago. There were a cohort of us. We were all brilliant hotshots and we were there to do something. And I'm sounding glib, but you kind of have to think of what Princeton University was like at the time. And it was, it was a wonderful experience. I, I, I'm actually very happy that I went there. But uh, this professor gathered around him a number of uh, black students, black scholars who were interested in big questions having to do with religion. And it was in the religion department. My my degree is in religious studies. Um, and so, you know, like you do in grad school, you try to find topics, you do a lot of reading. But what Rabito did, and uh, his book is a classic, his book is called Slave Religion. He tried to understand the history, the experiences of African-American people from Africa to the Americas through the lens of re religion. And so it's a classic book. It's been reprinted. Everybody knows about it. But there was one chapter in there that I, I, I was intrigued by. And that was when he started to talk about uh, African-American enslaved religion and magic. And so, like, you know, any grad student, you're like, I need a topic. So I decided to kind of go into that. And, and I, I think that's what people still do. You know, it's like because everything's been written on PJ. Right. So so. I wanted to expand on this idea, looking at slavery and the slave period, which is such a formative period for looking at religion, um, and look at this thing called magic, or you know what uh, hoodoo conjure number of words. And I got a dissertation out of that, so that turned into the book later. Um, very fortunate at the time, you know, no one was really talking about it. I, you know, one other person was writing on it, so I was like, oh, okay, you know. And so uh, it's really been interesting to me how the subject has this sort of staying power. The book was written 20 something years ago and I get people calling me about it because there seems to be a kind of revival, if you want to call it that, or sort of a resurgence of interest in, in uh, uh, the material itself. Yeah, okay, and uh, I'm sorry, I have to get this out of the way because it is just our culture 
Uh, why hoodoo and not voodoo? Yeah. Well, if you go to my website, academichoodoo.com, it explains that. And I'm, I'm being jokey. Um, the book is really because it was started out as a Princeton dissertation, kind of defending and challenging some of the theories of religion. So the book actually asked the question, why magic and not religion? And using the word black is sort of a play on words. So when people see black magic, I actually literally people say, oh, it's scary. It's you know, like, no, read it. So 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 I'm kind of playing with race, right. but also this category of, of religion. Now, this is where the problem is. Uh, voodoo has sort of emerged as a trope. It's a and I, I'm actually writing about this right now. My latest gig is about <laughs> you're going to laugh. My latest thing is about uh, comics, yeah. comic books, comic uh, editor, and this notion of, of voodoo. Um, because the word is sort of a synecdoche. It's a, it's a, it's a trope. It is a, a, it's a, a utility term that sort of disparages religion. Um, and so what we know is that there is a religion in Haiti, in the Creole, it's called Vodou. It's not voodoo. There is a religion in Benin, West Africa, Togo area, that is called Vodun. It is not called Voodoo. So Voodoo becomes in the West at an important period, and I'm going to have you guess when it was, sort of a junk term for describing African-derived spirituality as dangerous, as insurgent, as weird, as magical. It's not a religion. So Voodoo is not a religion. Now tell me, you know, as, as this is put yeah, your historian yeah. hat on, when do you think that that term would come about to, to kind of slander or to describe uh, African religion or African derived religion as being very dangerous, very bad, everything that it's associated with? When do you think well, that? Well, I'm going to cheat and I could be wrong here, but uh, you, you mentioned comics and I know that uh, when you talk about uh, the Ku Klux Klan, you see a huge revival in the 20s and 30s. So I would say 1920s, 1930s. I could be wrong here. Oh, the Klan. Okay. Go even a hundred years oh, okay, before. Okay. Origin, the origin of the term voodoo comes out of the cataclysmic event of the Haitian Revolution oh, and the overturning of sense. slavery yeah. in the Western Hemisphere, something that has never been done. And something that remarkably we in the West have sort of a a weird, vague memory about. So within a few decades of France's revolution, the U.S.'s revolution, this little Caribbean island, the, the richest island in the hemisphere for in terms of, you know, the, the colonies, has its own revolution. And we've kind of blocked it out, but it was there in Haiti that African religion became a thing that was scary right. and, and terrible. And why? Because it was the religion of the rebels. It was the religion. So, so, so there's race yeah. here. There's religion. There's all these juicy things that we like, but we don't think about it. We just say, oh, yeah, voodoo. Yeah. It's a little scary. It has black people. It has magic. So, so yeah. I don't use that word because it's so loaded. Yeah. And, and when I do my comic thing, which will happen eventually, I want to examine how it's been used as a visual trope, yeah. too. Because when you think of voodoo, 
it's like, oh boy, I, I know what that is. It's, it's, no, it's not. And it, and it really is no religion. So, so that's the, that's the long term. Now I do use the word hoodoo. Hoodoo is a word that sort of uh, came about in the 19th century to describe uncanniness and, and strangeness with respect to spirituality. Now, no one has been able to tell me where this word comes mm. from. We see the word as it applies to English uh, maritime folklore. So there are hoodoo ships in the, in the 1700s, ghost ships, oh. right? Nothing to do with black people. We also, I think out in Utah, if you Google this, because I know because people come to my website, Academic Hoodoo, from the Hoodoo Ski Resorts, which is <laughs> Hoodoo's, yeah, this is out. Yeah, I mean, it's true, but I, I looked into that, right? And Hoodoo's are actually, I don't know if you've seen them, they're these extraordinary, um, they're, they're like mountain ranges, right? And lo and behold, the Native American people, and you should look, look it up after the show, um, they, 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 these sort of formations in the rocks, they look like people. And the Native Americans out there called them hoodoos to describe these beings that later turned into rock. Nothing to do with black right. people, right? So then, of course, someone said, oh, hoodoo is an African word. I'm like, okay, so I don't really know where that word comes from, but it's stuck in the 1800s to, to talk about African-American magic, supernaturalism, uh, and that, you know, and, and even today people are using it to refer to a kind of magical spirituality. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of these, these sort of riddles where you try to find it and then you don't, you don't get an answer, but it's kind of funny. I, and, and forgive me, a lot of this is just coming out of ignorance. It's part of the reason why I wanted to talk to someone who was an expert in this field. Like even the stories, uh, one, we didn't really cover the Haitian Revolution, uh, even though I got my bachelor's in history. Like it was like maybe like there was like uh, memorize these dates, but we didn't talk about it. Right. And then. Excuse me. And then something was, you know, when people did talk about it, they said that Haiti was dedicated to Satan. You know, like there's like this story. I don't and I this is like an urban myth that was passed on. Uh, you know what I mean? Like this idea that it was like, uh, we dedicate this nation to, you know, I can't even remember who told me this, but it was something, and that's not me trying to protect somebody. It literally, I don't remember who told me. Someone told me that it was like, go ahead. Probably someone religious, right? So, and, and, you know, we, we heard different kinds of things coming out of it, but, but I, I just want to go yeah. back for a second and imagine this, how, how important this is. The first nation, the first post colony, the first nation to overthrow uh, uh, the colonial system with their own revolution, and then the first nation in the Western Hemisphere to have universal emancipation mm. for all of its citizens. It, it just, it didn't happen, mm. all right? It didn't right. happen anywhere in the West except here. So why wouldn't we hear about it? No, we're going we're gonna to talk about the devils. Politically, right. it's important, but it becomes over, you know, the, the, the devils and the whatever... Yeah become more important. Now, I actually think there's a little gaslighting going on there. Like, oh, okay, that, that explains everything that happened in this great nation that overthrew slavery, this ragtag nation of people that, that created a system, a constitution with universal emancipation, no slavery. Oh yeah, let's, let's go back and talk about the religion, which 
the observers at the time, one observer in particular, called voodoo. He called it that. Now, now the term has become all kinds of things. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and never apologize for, for not knowing. I mean, we, we see these kinds of things going on now with our education system, people trying to cut out chunks or put chunks. It's like, how is anyone going to know anything? It's just, it's fascinating to me how this is really one of the most important events of the 18th century. And yet it's like a blip. And this is our neighbor. It's like a blip. Um, except when you want to talk about yes. Voodoo. Well, you know, it's funny <laughs> as you talk about gaslighting. I have to confess, part of the reason I reached out to you and I, I saw your book. I think it was on Twitter. It was like maybe a reprinting or something. And I was like, I smelled some gas. Let's be honest. I was literally, I was like, uh, it's pretty strange that someone would be like, I dedicate this land to to Satan, right? Unless it's like some like uh, stick it in the you know in some kind of like uh, Ozzy Osbourne way where it's like, I'm just trying to scare the, you know, like they're like, I'm going to try and scare the white man kind of thing from Haiti. Right. Like, I'm like, I don't think they would do that. Right. And it's, and so this is, you know, <laughs> that's part of the reason I wanted to talk to you because I wanted to understand. Um, and yeah, even, um, and, and what's fascinating, even as you talk about this difference between voodoo and hoodoo, um, and this is something that uh, I, I have some uh, degrees and, you know, philosophy, I have an A degree in philosophy of religion. Um, uh, my master's in that. And you, you talk about uh, syncretism. And it is like human beings live very messy lives. And even that, that first part of your book, you talk about how uh, hoodoo and this black um, conjuring tradition gets mixed with uh, Christianity. And and that's and that's something that makes people uncomfortable because they like very straight and uh, rigid categories. Can you talk a little bit about how that process worked? Yeah, and and that and you're absolutely right. People like rigid categories, or they they go for. And I'm talking about religious folk, who I love, by the way. I actually there's not a religion that I love. I had a student was like, yeah, what about Satanism? I was like, yeah, bring it. <laughs> I, there's not a religion out there knowing everything that I know about mm. religion that I don't respect mm. and I don't love because I know that re religion is like art. So, so, um, uh, uh, I just lost my thought. Um, yeah, well, I'd love to come uh, back to religion is like art, but we'll, anyways, continue. Syncretism, syncretism. So, um, so syncretism, of course, as you know, was one of the theories, the prevailing theories that I think come out of anthropology of religion to try to understand how religions blend and then cope, uh, recombinate and then be become something else. So, um, and that, that, that theory has actually been kind of, uh, there's a pushback okay. on it with respect to black religion uh, of late. So, so what we know is at the time, uh, Africans were coming to uh, America, what later became the U.S., uh, beginning in the 1600s, right? So, uh, and then things really ramp up in the 1700s. So, so what you find is that as these, these enslaved people are flowing into the country. They are bringing their religions with them. So one of the myths was that, well, they didn't have religion in Africa. They just, you know, they lived in jungles. And, 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 and that sort of idea prevailed for a long time. And then Rabito writes his book and he's like, look at religion in Africa. So, so, so that was actually huge. Now it's like every... Everyone on TikTok knows that, but huh. the idea is that pe people 
bring their religions, and I'm going to put them in air right. quotes because, it, you know, the scholarship said, no, they were pagans or uh, what's the word they love to use? Fetishists. Religion isn't in there because uh, only the Christian West has animism. religion. So, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So whatever it is, right, people right, right. Have, they, they, they brought it. Exactly. So, so right there, I'm, I'm starting to play on that with my, my thesis. So, but they were religions and some of them were quite complex and sophisticated. And uh, in the U.S., I, I love the irony of this. Some of these enslaved people come from nations that were already Christian. Right. right? So and we're talking about uh, in uh, Central Africa, the Portuguese, the missionaries always get there first, PJ. <laughs> they got there and they got there in the 15th century. And in Congo, where a lot of people come from and end up here, the entire kingdom converts to Catholicism, right? So they're already Christian. So these people are bringing in, you know, their religions, whatever you want to call it. And some of them were Christian, some of them were Muslim, right? And so when they get here, what happens? And for, for us, for my, my mentor, that was the big question. What happens to, to religions? What happens to religions within slavery when they arrive here? So the idea of syncretism uh, suggests that when people bring whatever they have, call it religion, magic, whatever, let's just say it's Islam or whatever, when it encounters another religion, say the Christian missionaries in I'll, I'll, I won't pick on anyone uh, in South Carolina in the colonial period. They either hold on to it, they convert, you know, but even when they convert, they still hold on. They still carry a little bit. The outcome is syncretic. The outcome is sort of a blending. And so that, I, I believe it can be argued, happened all over the place. It happened unevenly because, as you know, some parts of this country, uh, they, they didn't really care for Christianity either. So that, that's another one of the myths, the, the myth of the Christian nation. Uh, John Butler says that uh, throughout the, until the 19th century, most people uh, were not, they, he calls them unchurched, but most people had no interest in, they weren't Christian. So, you know, so, so, so the syncretism, when it did occur between the African side, and it was uneven, it was regional, but one of the things that we see early on or that I found early on is that there's this thing that emerges that they call different names, conjure, magic, hoodoo, it, you know, uh, sometimes they, call, they use the English word cunning. And that that pops up in different parts of the, the, the country where where these African people are. Um, so, yeah, this, the syncretism question is interesting. It, it also really speaks to this idea that whatever people whatever religion one has, whatever, it, it's responsive to the environment. So if you have, you're going to, it's going to, even if you want to keep it pure, which I know, you know it, it's good, you're still in an environment that's going to inform it. So um, that, that's, I think that's really important, even though people, it, it doesn't make people comfortable because they, you know, like, I have friends that say, and again, I love them dearly. Uh, yeah, we're we're practicing Christianity the way Jesus did, <laughs> and I just sort of roll my eyes, you know, without rolling them, and I'm like, yeah, because that's really important, this sort of purity. But on one level, I think it's impossible. So, and syncretism does the work of making sense of that. Well, and that, from my interpretational background, it's like you can't just like erase history, right? Like you can never practice 
what is 2000 years ago because you like there are good things to that like the, there's a progression and there's sometimes there's some problems that come and those are new problems you have to deal with so you can't just erase 2000 years of history and like it's like i'm sitting at jesus feet and it's like no you are 2000 years later right um even as you're talking about syncretism and uh, forgive me i'm gonna this is just a, a personal story but uh and i think it'll help like you know you talk from a, a race perspective um it, you know there there's a race and a religion like pursuit for purity that becomes a problem sometimes and uh it's like oh we aren't syncretistic we are the pure ones right um that becomes an issue and so uh like for instance as we talk about uh i'm uh, you know i'm part of a church right now love the church sweet group of people and one of the things it's like it's very easy and it's very hard not to syncretize christianity and capitalism and so I know that's part of it, right? I know that like one of the things I've been trying to recover and talk a lot about is Sabbath because there is no like this idea of a sacred rest day, rest day in our current culture. It's like, I rest so I can work better. And it's like, no, no, that's yeah. not. And yeah. that's where, yeah. you know, and, that, and the, hopefully even as you, you talk through this, like one of the resources of religion is, are the roots that allow you to critique some of the the pitfalls of our current culture. Yeah, yeah, really. But but I mean, I, let me just. I'm not going to challenge no, no, you. No, go for it. Because yeah. I'm, I'm again, I'm thinking about this art thing. Because when I say art, I mean the creative yeah. impulse. What what if what if you really do experience yourself sitting at the feet of Jesus? And what mm. if you go around wearing robes and and you are living in this sort of realm in which, especially in the the sacred space or the rituals or within your community, sometimes we call them orthodox people. So you are experiencing it in this sort of pure way. And that, and that is an interesting way, uh, the story of fundamentalism. It's like, yes, let's get back to the fundamentals of the way they did it. All right. So, okay. I, so, I have to stop and, you real quick. Cause I actually grew up independent fundamental Baptist. So like you are, <laughs> I have yes, I I I have. Uh, there's been a long journey there, but I like yes. When you talk about this, yes, I am very familiar with this idea of, and I I, I will say, and I appreciate you saying that because, and I I don't want to give the impression. I think there are real and powerful spiritual and religious experiences to be had, and in in a very real sense, those are pure. But what happens? It's really um, there's a sensitivity and there's a vulnerableness that happens with that that often gets co-opted by people who in the name of purity uh say the and so i i do think that's a that's good to distinguish because there is a real spiritual power and a real vulnerability and just there's something very special that can happen in the those like and pure in those religious experiences uh so anyways sorry yeah. <laughs> i'm very familiar <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and this is this is surprising. When, when we're done, I want to talk sure. more about it. But but and and, and so you think about that, and I, I think that, I, and I, I agree with you. But you think about um, slavery, yeah. you think about Christianity, mm. you think about the long years of slavery, and you think about and you wonder. And this is again my my Princeton education, and I'm not touting Princeton because there are other people who do this too. But that was that was the big question. How, how, how what is the relationship between slavery? And Christianity, and and again, my my advisor really wrote the book on this. But you know, well, if we're going to be pure Christians, there's slavery because 
not Jesus didn't say anything about it and it's in the Bible. And, and, and so the good intention becomes sort of a rationale. And then there's those that say, nah, sort of, you know, the Bible's kind of ambivalent about slavery. It's there, but, you know, so, so this, even this question of slavery in relation to religious faith, it has followed us. It's followed us past slavery. We're dealing with that now because religions, and I will say this, can't be counted on to deal with because those people who had interest in enslaving, you know, they, they even, you know, and uh, uh, again, I, I have to tell you to read this book or to get this book. It's called Slave yeah. Religion. He talks about how Christian slaveholders, they're like, well, well, we, too bad. We still we have to have slavery. Well, let's treat them a certain way and let's have and let's just make sure they have Jesus. And then the reformers, as you know, they're like, this is outrageous. You can't enslave human beings. So if Christianity can't handle what we today think is a simple question, slavery is an abomination. What, you know, what about these other questions like, you know, women or queer people? So, so, yeah, that's my rant. I like to do that, but I also like to go into the problem and to see, well, what did people say about this? So, you know, and, and, and I, I don't dwell too long in that in my book, but the big question for them is what do you do with these other religions? What, what do you do with people who have gods that, you know, don't look like Jesus or, you know, don't even look human or whatever? What do you do with this? And I actually think those questions come down to us today. Yeah. We, 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 we claim to be in a religiously pluralistic society. Um, and one thing I do know is that black America is extremely uh, pluralistic. All right. And, and I, I, I just touched on that. I said African people, when they arrived, they were Christian. They were they were Muslim. Some of them were came from ethnic traditions. So there's a religious diversity built in. But I don't think that we're doing too well with that these days. It's uh, I mean, I don't know. That, that's my rant about, you know, the court and everything else that this Christian nation myth really does prevail and how we kind of navigate that is important. But I was, I was concerned with the magic part because, you know, and I still don't know, is magic a slur? I mean, (laughs) the coolest people I know in the world, the coolest people, and I'm actually teaching a course on this are magicians, you know, they, they do, they're magicians for a living. And so, so, well, is that, is that, I ask them, is that bad? And, you know, my cynical friend is like, yeah, it's branding. I have to brand myself as a magician, you know, but. Right. You know, so anyway, it's fascinating. Well, it's fascinating. and this question of vocabulary is also because until I was looking at your book, I, I didn't know uh, what what you meant by conjuring. Uh, and did you say the English word was cunning? That was the, well, like, what, where did that come from? Yeah, well, you know, Europeans had problems with witches and magicians. It's, again, I would say, I want to blame it on the Christians, but it's not just the Christians because the Catholics and the Protestants were fighting over this because you Catholics do magic, you know. So so I won't blame anyone, but they had an issue with unorthodox or uh, what's the word I want to use? Um, Unofficial. I'm trying to use gentle words, but you can, you can use the mean words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But, 
not very scientific, but but basically, you know, the other, right? right? So um, in England, of course, you, it, you know, where most of these sources are, um, there, there were people who were seen as practicing a kind of sorcery, um, but there were also those who, you know, one of the, the kings had these diviners and magicians. So you, you did have uh, traditions of ma- what I call magic because it's not, it's not part of the church. But then the priests, the Catholic priests were also understood as practicing a kind of magic. So it's completely mixed up. But the term cunning comes from the English, um, usually uh, talking about men in contradistinction to women who were always witches. Not always, but okay. Women, women always get you know blamed. So, so um, men, men who had who were considered to have powers, they called them jugglers and so forth. And then conjurers were the same thing. Now, conjure is interesting because it suggests that it's kind of a trick, it's a fake. And and actually, I, I would say half of the people who talk to me about my book think I'm talking about magic performances and shows and the professional stage magicians who are no. They were black people who did that too, which I'm like, yay, everybody wins. But so, and, and that, and I'm, again, I'm being silly, but in the 20th century as conjure and uh, who to move north, guess who pops up? A number of black magicians who perform, you know, these shows. And this was the time, you know, medicine shows and things like that. Anyway, uh, so this is what I'm trying to work through, how this idea of magic, it's good, it's bad, it's, it's uh, ambiguous, it's sort of this category. And then uh, I think the most controversial thing that I, I do in that book, and I don't dwell long because you'll see it's a really short book, is I say, because um, people say, well, what happened to Hoodoo and Conjure? I was like, well, it went into, uh, okay, you're smart. I'm going to test you again. Uh, one of the largest American... Uh, religious movements occurred at the turn of the century in 1906, sort of originating this new worldwide global form of Christianity um, that involved both black and white people. Do you know I, what it is? I would guess Pente- Pentecostalism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, you can see that, I mean, the, the snake charming. Yeah, you know, it, it makes sense. Yes, I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. So, so my argument is because Pentecostalism, and interestingly, Pentecostalism began with the work of a black preacher and a white theologian, but everything segregated in 1906. So the black preacher sort of institutionalizes certain practices, but they look kind of like what the conjure people did. Some of the spiritual, the, the, you know, the Pentecostals are really into performance of what they call the Holy Ghost, but some of it I argue, goes underground into these black Pentecostal churches with their spectacular healings, because Hoodoo had a, had a spectacular healing element. And I got in trouble. I had all these people writing me, all these preachers, like, that's not from Hoodoo, that's from the Bible. <laughs> okay, sister, sister, you got it right, but you got that wrong. And then other people, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the argument is syncretism. Right. And you can see it's kind of a dangerous notion, right, that these black people, um, these black Pentecostals who split from the white Pentecostals early on. Again, segregation is the, the, the word. Um, they are sort of not embracing it because they would never say it. But the interviews that I found in the 1920s, you know, uh, the government uh, 
during the depression had a lot of interviews with former slaves. They're talking a lot about hoodoo and they're like, don't call it hoodoo, but they're, it's similar. I, I, I won't go so far as to say it's the same thing, but if you pushed me, I would say it's the same thing. So it changes color. Magic becomes part of black, black uh, Pentecostalism and other forms of Christianity. And in places, of course, like New Orleans, where it's like that is the the, uh, that, yes. the center, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, geographical center. You find this sort of mixture of you know not not just Protestants but Catholics too. Um, so, but you, I mean, you can imagine. I'm saying all this stuff. Some and people are reading it, which makes me happy because it is an academic book. But it's also like pricking. I'm like, no, how can you say that? My 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 sister. She'll never listen to this. They don't talk to me. They don't talk to me because they're fun. They're evangelical. They're, I think they're fundamentalists, but they're evangelicals, beautiful people, you know, my, and my sister, I was just talking to someone. She is a more excellent version of me. She's a, you know, she's a physician. I'm not going to give her name, but you could Google it. She is a big uh, official in the, in the last administration. She is a conservative Christian. They act as if Professor Shiro's work just doesn't exist. And, that, and I, can, I can understand why, but it's kind of, it's kind of sad. You, I mean, I, I don't know if, if this has happened to you, but I always like to think, I always like to believe that there is a vibrant intellectual tradition what, whatever you are, whether you're a Pentecostal Christian, I, I like to think that Christianity has maintained that because it used to, people used to debate these right. things. They used to have, I, I remember, you know, full disclosure, I used to really be into the, the, the various Christian Christianities, but they used to have stadiums and, you know, the, the, the preacher would debate the other. And it was like, it was like a, a, you know, the kind of sport that you see on YouTube. I feel in some ways that the church has gotten, and I'm going to generalize and say the black churches, not that they're not, they're, they're sort of like, because black churches after that experience of enslavement really had to turn inward. I mean, and again, we, we, I can speak to that or I could talk just about magic, but people are really defending themselves. So it's changing. It's, I think it's changing with black churches. But by and large, people don't want to hear this. It's like, you know, this is all this voodoo stuff. But I think it's changing. And the fact that, you know, you're, you're, you're having conversations about this. But these, these sort of debates go back. They're, they're, not, they're not new to us. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of myself, and, and forgive me for, you know, uh, this is an academic, academic discussion, but I think it, it's good sometimes to get personal because there are real ethical implications to this. And one of the th biggest gifts that my own mother gave to me is when I was younger, um, I, I just had lots of questions. I was that kind of kid. I, I was every teacher's either worst nightmare or biggest dream. Some teachers absolutely hated me because I wouldn't stop asking questions and some teachers loved me. It really, I, I learned that it, uh, as I look back on it now, I, I realized it said more about the teacher, but that's another aside. The, um, and what my mom said to me uh, as I was reading Plato, um, you know, in around junior high and then reading Nietzsche in high school, which, you know, God is dead. You know, my, my parents were like, ah, you know, um, she said, I believe that the Holy Spirit will lead you into truth. And that like as you and, and this idea that um, 
It, I, I'm a devout Christian. I believe there that I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God. And I believe in God, but I believe <laughs> he's not scared, right? Like he's not like, he's not scared by questions. And that was a, a huge gift from, from my mom. And you, and there are different, you know, you, you talk about informed by the environment and you even mentioned this with the uh, African-American church right now, the, the black church right now that, um, but there are very vibrant traditions that you can dig into to inform your environment that have like a Calvin talks at length about all of the different way. Like if someone is shining light, it's God's light. And it doesn't matter if they believe in Christianity or not. It's like, if they tell you the truth, the truth is the truth. And I think so anyways, I, <laughs> again, forgive me my rant, my sermon there, but that's yeah. No, I got it. I live for this in the classroom because you can imagine I teach I teach nothing but religion classes. And I, I always look for, you know, OK, okay, that kid over there, that's the fundamentalist <laughs> and that that's the scared. And then, you know, I have my Satanist in the background and it, it, and it becomes this beautiful conversation. But the rules of the game are this this respect that I expect we, we, we have for each other just because we're human. That's lost when you're talking about some of these things. And that, and that, that, that really, that really I, I think, I, I don't even know how to deal with that. It's like, you know, and, and I think it's gotten worse in the public discourse, you know, because now people are doubling down, like, you know, um, although I have a lot of hope. I really, I, I have a lot of hope. And, and actually talking to you, it's like, wow, wow, this is refreshing. So. Well, it's hard to really empathize and connect with someone in, uh, 30 seconds to five minutes. And I think that's uh, some of this, I, without getting too far down the rabbit hole, we, we've, uh, I've talked to other uh, people who are in like the technology sphere and the, the kind of the medium is the message sphere that one of the things our, our culture has developed this incredibly powerful thing called the internet and social networking. And we don't, we haven't thought through the consequences of what we're doing to ourselves. And I think some of the, you know, even as we talk about this, the reason I'm in podcasting is this long for, right? That we're able to really connect because you cannot connect in 30 seconds. And, and so anyways, but yeah, I, I, no, I, 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 yeah, I, oh gosh, I'd love to talk to you some more about this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so let's, let's talk about yeah, my yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, let's talk book, about me. Uh, talk to me about, <laughs> uh, actually, this is, this is uh, one, uh, God bless you for keeping it short. Cause then I feel like I can just, really a grasp it, you know, um, uh, one of the most discouraging, uh, stats in my life is every time you say yes to a book, you say no to a hundred thousand other books. So for this, I feel like, you know, maybe it's only like 50,000 other books, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's really nice when it's something, you know, it's like, I'm reading through Augustine city of God right now and it's 800 pages. And I'm like, I know this is yes. a classic, but I could be reading yes. so much more anyways. So thank you. Um, but, um, this is the kind of thing, one, that really taps into kind of that, that fear of voodoo, right? You talk about the, the harming tradition, and then you talk about the healing tradition. Can you talk about those two traditions and how they uh, grow beside each other and what roles they play? Yes, and, the, and this is something, and people ask me about this a lot. Um, and, I, and I actually coined that phrase of healing and harming uh, with respect to, to these religions. I don't know if I would use them, uh, I said religions, these traditions. Um, I don't know if I would use it now. So 
Um, I actually think that all all magics um, are oriented at their core at a kind of healing practice. Mm. And when I say healing, um, I'm not just talking about healing of the body. One of the things that we see, particularly in enslaved communities, right, close knit, under siege, you know, and you know, just jealousies and passions, and you know, that that hoodoo worked as a mechanism uh, to sort of heal relationships or to uh, to police uh, relationships and communities. Uh, one of the things that we find, of course, and what's interesting, of course, is that hoodoo was used not just for, uh, you know, by enslaved people, because that's what I focus on, uh, on black people, but it's used on, uh, you know, on slave owners. So I get that all the time. Well, if if magic is real and it works, you know, it's, you know, because uh, why, why didn't they use it against the white the white people to get right. free? And so one of the most famous stories uh, that that we have is uh, David Blight wrote a prize winning Pulitzer Prize winning uh, biography of Frederick Douglass, and one of the stories he tells Frederick Douglass, our 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 black statesman. Uh, of when he was trying to run away from slavery because flight was flight was the way to go. That's what you did. That that's how black people resisted slavery. But uh, let me let me tell you the story quickly. So he he runs away. He lives in Maryland. He's like a kid. He's out in the woods and he tells this story in his autobiography of meeting uh, a conjure man, an African conjure man in the woods. So it's this. I can't wait for the movie because it's, 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 you know, so he meets this conjure man and, you know, he's exhausted. He's not going to make it right. He's, he's running, you know, and, and so many black folk didn't. And the conjure man gives him a root and he says, this is a magical root. It will keep any white man from striking you. And so, you know, we know Douglas, he wasn't particularly religious. Um, he takes it, he goes home and the, the slave owner does not hit him. And then the next day, um, he draws, it's just a fascinating story. But so he's, he's messing around with this notion that, oh, there was some power in the root. And we know Douglas didn't believe in those things, you know, like many black intellectuals, right? So he sort of puts that out there, that this is what helped him survive. And then we have that very famous story of the, uh, and it, it, every time I talk about the, the tragic uh, a Denmark VC rebellion at the same church in South Carolina that was attacked by the white supremacists years ago, the very same church. So one of these historical ironies, the rebellion in the uh, early uh, 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 19th century was planned in the church, but it involved a number of African contra people and one in particular who once the plot was revealed they devastated these people. So my point is that magic was used in order to resist the system. That is the controversial part because sometimes this kind of war involves harming. And you just look at Haiti as the example, devastating, devastating. So healing is a part of this magic healing of the body, healing of the relationships. I'll give you a charm. You can help get that pretty lady over there. Uh, you know, whatever, healing, healing. And then the flip side is harming. And that, and for, for, for some people, that, that's the line that they draw. Once you do harm, because there's do no harm. But I, I always tell, the, I tell that story. I said, yeah, well, what happened about that time when Jesus 
Jesus got pissed off because the figs weren't right and he killed the tree. And then they're like, oh, oh, she knows that story. And I'm like, so cursing, yeah. you know, and I know there's an exegesis and people interpret it differently. But basically I'm saying that cursing is not unknown in the Christian tradition. So, and you know, I, I, I love to do that because I do know yeah. the Bible. I love to throw that out because again, for, for some people harming magic and for me too, I, 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 this is not something I like. Um, that, that's the line that they draw. They, I will not do that kind of work, that kind of spiritual work. But I always say, try to imagine what it is like to live in a situation under slavery where you, you, you have no agency. You don't even own yourself. So, you know, you can't break the law because, you, you know, so, so try to understand what that was like. And it's very hard for us to see that even the meaning of, you know, right and wrong is inverted because the good Christians are the ones who are enslaving you. So what's righteous and what's not. So but the healing and harm thing, I see them as going together. And I'll just say this quickly. Where that comes from, I think, comes from the African, there's an indigenous African idea of good and evil. There is no binary between good and evil. Good, it's most like they're, they're shades of each other. Um, and you see that represented in their religious systems. There's no such thing as evil. I think that's a holdover in uh, conjure, in Christmas. Oh in hoodoo and conjure in the United States. I, I, I Almost so. similar more to like a, a poison metaphor where it's like poison, you know, it's medicine in one dosage and poison in another. Uh, it, and honestly, if, if you do, regardless of the fig tree story, um, you can go to what the Bible commands. And I think this is something that people who live in a, a developed country with privileged lives do not have to really... They can just ignore people because they are privileged and they just think they're not harming them. One, ignoring people is a form of harm. But also, like when you, uh, you, you see in the Bible, it's talking about casting people out from the congregation. And it's never something you should be happy about. It's the idea of trying to bring them back. But this idea that, um, and without getting into it, I, I've experienced this personally. Uh, even in the last couple of years where you have people who uh, it's not working, right? Like if they are, they will bring the whole community down if they are part of it because they have chosen, they have chosen evil. And <clears throat> unfortunately, in the case of enslavement, what you have is whole society that has chosen evil. And that that's a, that's even a different thing. But when you talk about harming, and again, if you think of it in this, this poison metaphor, it's like, you have to, sometimes you have to push people out to get them to understand that, that in order to make this work, right? Um, uh, I was just talking to uh, a young lady who I, I love very much, and um, she came from a very broken home, and uh, she is constantly fighting for what she wants, even when everyone is very calm. She is fighting, but be, and, I, and what I told her was, you are fighting for a place at the table and everyone has made a place. This is a place where everyone has made a space at the table. And I'm talking at a very therapeutic and psychological level here, but I think everyone understands this. It, like there, there are people who have grown up in situations where they were not, the, people did not make space for them and they've had to fight for that. And it, uh, obviously I'm not talking about casting her out. I'm talking about the people who, <clears throat> for her, I'm trying to get her to understand. It's like, if you want to be part of this community, you, 
you want to be, you want to make space for other people and they'll make space for you because that's the way it should be, right? It shouldn't be like elbows gouging each other, you know, putting your head in the plate, trying to like steal as much food as you can. And so, um, I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I agree with that. I believe that people are rendered that way. And it's strange. We live in a time where people believe that they're rendered that way when they're mm. not. And, and this notion of scarcity, it's, um, I'm not going to say it's killing us, but it's, it's harming us. This notion of scarcity is harming us. And I, 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 and I won't say too much on it, but I absolutely see what you're talking about as a, at a societal level, you know, and we, we are harming ourselves, even though most of us, I believe, want to heal. I, I, I do believe that. I'm, I'm more, I'm more optimistic than my Afro pessimistic <laughs> friends in some way, you know. And and it's yeah, fine. Yeah. It's fine. But um, so I see, I see exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of. Uh, and and forgive me, I've talked quite a bit here, but I just want to uh, make sure that we go through kind of your book here. At, you you end with uh, conjuring the Black American cultural traditions. We all believed in hoodoo, and so if you could kind of sum up what uh, what hoodoo has given and the conjure tradition has given to him, uh, our culture and what what it, what is valuable about it and what it what it voices that we need to hear, what would that be? Yeah. Okay. And and and, and that's actually a great question. Um, I, I'm actually, the more I do this, and it occurred to me the other day that hoodoo is the flip side of what voodoo is. Voodoo is an invention. Hoodoo is, and I see the young people on hoodoo talk. God help me, <laughs> which talk? <laughs> I, actually, I don't see right. them because people said right, that. Right. But, but, but it is a kind of, there is, is a cultural um uh, not preservation is the word, uh, recovery, that this is, this is the tradition that kept the ancestors and for black people, our ancestors going. And as I've written, whether or not they're Christians, because a lot of them were Christians, they saw no problem in taking part in this in whatever way. So I think that that kind of, and, and, this is not to say post-emancipation, it didn't change into something. It did, it changed. But as far as enslavement, um, what it brings to us is first that, that sort of spiritual diversity that I talked about that challenges the notion of the Christian nation, which I think is a, a pernicious myth, um, useful for some, but it's, it, it, it challenges that. Um, people are coming, as I said, they're bringing their own cultures, they're bringing their own religions to this environment in this terrible, um, you know, brew of, of oppression and violence that was, was slavery in, in this country. So I think that people can now look at that and say, huh, it wasn't voodoo. It was a kind of spirit. It was not even, yeah, if you want to call it religion, I like to call it a spirituality that enabled people it healed them. It helped them to resist. Um, and it is a kind of, um, uh, 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 I, I want to say, uh, and this is what these young people are trying to do. I, I, I don't want to say too much because they're also selling it because it became a commodity. But the young people are seeing this and recovering this and saying, this is the tradition of my great, 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 great. And there, there is nothing to be ashamed of. Just like Haiti. There is nothing to, in fact, 
there's something of value here that we should look at. Um, so that that's what I see. But again, the internet's the internet being what it is, these kids they are doing all kinds of. I don't. They make it up, <laughs> and I'm. I'm ooh, 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 they might hear this. Um, it's become a cultural trend right. too. Like, um, oh yeah. But um, interestingly, there's a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of uh, uh, appropriation of of hoodoo, and that that actually starts in the 20th century. That uh, uh, white people see, oh, there's some money to be made, and it becomes really a commodity. There's such a pushback against that now that I actually have to tell my students to calm down. I said, well, there were white people involved in this just as, you know, but so, but it's sort of a claiming of hoodoo and conjure because it's ours, uh, you know, it's sort of this propriety thing. So that, I don't like that. I don't like it because it gets me away from the things that I want right. to talk about. But I see that, that this is a sort of a cultural treasure that should be, you know, take another look at it. And it's not, it's not voodoo. And take another look at voodoo when my, when my other project. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about the comics project. one. I would love to have you back on to talk about that. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, really? for sure. Oh, it's so um, I mean, it is so uh, the reason I got into interpretation was because of art first. Like I was a literature nerd and I was reading, you know, anyways. So, uh, you know, the philosophy was just an excuse to, to study literature more. Um, so, but uh, one, let me say, first of all, I want to be respectful of your time. And uh, also it's so, um, I'm so grateful you came on today, Dr. Shro. Uh, if you could leave our audience with one takeaway. Uh, just something to meditate on for the week. Um, not a summary. I, I think sometimes people think I'm asking for like, hey, if you could summarize your entire life's work in one sentence. But what's a takeaway, something that you would want them to meditate on through the week as they, after listening to this? Oh, wow. That put me on the spot. Um, what The thing that comes to mind right away is, uh, is magic real? Mm. Is magic real? What, what is that? Uh, and what what do we what do we think of when we talk about magic in distinguishing that from religion? Um, if we want to get fancy, science is magic real in relation to these other ideas of mag of of religion and science. That's a, that's a trick. Question. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's what what does magic really you know, mean? I, I love that because it. No, I, I think that's a great question. I will think about it this week. Um, Dr. Shro, it's, a, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>